This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Welcome, Carm Caprietto, the Service Aftermarket's podcast pioneer. Join me each week for aftermarket insights from my guest host and an industry first, a virtual shop tour. Use the industry's premier podcast as your personal networking resource. And as always, know that you'll learn one thing. The video for this show is on the Aftermarket Weekly page on RemarkableResults.biz or on my YouTube channel. I am with Bob Noriega. Hello, Bob. Hey, good afternoon, Carm. Thanks for having me. Oh, good to have you. We did a podcast together a few years ago. I loved it because I learned all about beer, but we can't talk about that now. <laughs> yeah, no. After that, I uh, I cut it all out, cut a lot of you know excessive carbohydrates. Lost, I think I lost like eighty something pounds. Yeah, so I'm doing I'm doing you pretty darn good. Eighty pounds. Eighty pounds. Eighty pounds. And and I don't, I don't want to say it was all beer. It's a lot of other lifestyle changes. I probably about a year ago had like a small little sip and I went, oh God, how did I do this? This is stuff so thick and decadent. I mean, it was delicious, but. It was a great episode. I'm going to look up the number of that and put that out because uh, you, you did talk about you craft beer. You you just loved, you would buy limited edition craft beers, I think. Oh yeah, absolutely. I was very passionate. Whatever I do, I seem to be very, have a lot of passion. Gusto it. That's yeah. what we're here to talk about. Glad to have you here. Hey, thank you so much to our great friends at Dorman for being our partner. Modern steering columns are collapsible, made of an inner and outer sleeve. In a frontal collision, the sleeves compress like a telescope, allowing the steering column to absorb energy from the crash, reducing impact on the driver. Dorman steering shaft is engineered with strict tolerances to directly replace the original shaft on certain vehicle years, makes, and models. Dorman has rigorously tested their steering shafts to meet federal motor safety standards through press-out, tensile load, salt spray, on-vehicle fitment testing, and more. These standards specify requirements for minimizing chest and facial injuries through steering systems that yield forward, cushioning the impact on the driver. These systems also limit rearward displacement of the column into the passenger compartment, further reducing the likelihood of serious injury. Hey, want to know more about Dorman? Visit dormanproducts.com slash tour. Uh, you got a great career under your belt since working in the garage at mom's house. If you talk to my 2008 self, I would have never imagined I would be in the position I'm in today. And, and all for great reasons. It's been an exciting career. I want to congratulate you on change. Uh, someone was speaking to a crowd, was telling the story about a 20th year reunion. And this individual went into the reunion and was speaking to people. And someone came up to them and said... Oh my God, Bob, you've changed. The Bob person looked at them and said, thank God. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree with that more. I mean, gosh, I could only imagine me back in the day. I mean, working till three in the morning and just, you know, just delivering pizzas and then, you know, going to college on top of this and just, you know, trying to make everything work and, and ends meet. It was very, very different day and uh, much, much more controlled and, and methodical now. From pizza man to shop owner, it can be done. I still make a heck of a pizza, and I can tell you exactly how many large pepperonis go on a Pizza Hut large. Oh, I don't know if I'm supposed to say that. <laughs> 
All right. Hey, look at uh, you've grown a great business. I probably way back when I was talking to you, you were doing probably fifty grand, and I think you tripled it, didn't you? Uh, even more so. Yeah. So we're on track for uh, we're this month. So we'll close it all out tomorrow. We'll be at two forty. Two forty. What do you credit this uh, level of growth to? A lot of the change has happened over the years by my own belief in in that a technician needs two bays. We've now we have five four to five constantly. I'd love to try to work in six. Our parking lot management, we have a a porter, phenomenal guy. One of his responsibilities is to move the cars out of the way when they're getting checked in and help the technicians stay in the bay because of course that's when they're that's when they're making money and and being productive. And then it even comes down to the management flow of what happens and you know after the repair order is sold. How are the parts done? Now we have a parts guy that literally just does parts also makes us a ton of money on the back end by finding and negotiating with our vendors for that same part and and getting it at a a cheaper price, which saves us 18% month over month and on our directly on our parts cost. There's a lot of these little, little things, you know, of course, success isn't just one big thing, but it's a a ton of small little changes that have accumulated and added up into, you know, a, a good bottom line you know, it employs 10 people now. I believe we were about half the staff before um, and makes a darn good net profit. So first of all, a couple of things, uh, parking lot management, I think is critical when you're doing that kind of volume out of seven bays and you have a gift, 59 parking spaces. I mean, that's a gift. There's some people that would die. They would want to build a double deck or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's 59 parking. That's my mapped out, like double parked, like, all right, we put a car here. We could put a park here. Like that's, that's it. Draw it all out and try to, so all the books, it's probably 19, (laughs) like in terms of like, what? What code is so it's a fifty nine is is it all you know stacked in and weaved in? It sounds as critical as the workflow inside. No, if that individual can anticipate when that vehicle could be in, then they're just shuffling it around to be sure that there's no delay in getting those four wheels on the rack. His main objective is to catch the things that our client judges this the most on oil change sticker? Is the washer fluid? Is the tire pressure light off? You know, and to catch those things that the client judges on. And of course, we want to make the wheels shiny and and give it a quick rinse and and vacuum out the floors and and wipe the dashboard off. But I mean, obviously the car is going to be fixed. That's what they came here for, but that's not necessarily impressive. Impressive things are in those small little details. His second priority is to help the technicians to have it have good workflow. And he does that by, you know, getting those cars shuffled around. That's super important. You know, get the cars out of the way for the service riders and for the next customer to come in and figure out a spot to put them. I call the position, even though it's technically a porter, I call it the shop backbone because, you know, without him, it's, you know, it, all this load would be distributed across all the team members and would let them do less of the things that help the shop make money. So one of my friends, Chris Cotton, came up with a great title for, if you will, a GS person, general services, production apprentice. Mm, I like that. You're moving chess pieces in the business. You're moving vehicles in, you're moving them out. And he is also doing, if you will, the the total quality management of the final product that's going out, no grease and and everything right, whatever your checkbox is. And uh, being an apprentice doesn't necessarily mean that he's out of a career loop. That means he's in a career loop. 
Right. Yeah, absolutely. Because then you, now you ha- you start with an exposure so you can take somebody with zero time and, and start working them into that. Now, right, showing up is the first thing to getting things done. So he's there. He's, you know, he could, he's helping people could change oil, understand how system works, all those little side conversations that happen that get you a little bit more acclimated. And uh, yeah, so it's a fantastic position to get somebody in the industry that has no relevant experience and train them into it. Um, at you know whatever speed they would like to go. So you're growing a business is great. How do you maximize all the space, all the tools, all the steps that are going on inside the business? Another critical component that we've added on is is finding a great parts person. So this is somebody that's usually pretty high analytical, very detail oriented, and they're assisting taking load off the service writers. And because the service writers generally want to find strong people that are fantastic at selling. So if they're burdened with all this fine detail paperwork and sourcing, it takes such such a, a priority out of their day to get all this stuff right that mentally it loads them down from having the ability to do their main job, which is communicate to the client on the stuff they need and of course you know make the the sale let's jump in a little bit to that parts person are they doing any estimating the answer is yes so if um we have all of our technicians load the parts in that they need through our vendors if they can't find it easily they're all trained in being able to use a parts breakdown we have access to all that stuff but if they're finding themselves spending too much time on that send it over that's his mecca he gets everything loaded in and then our system is marking things up as necessary based on the targets of the, of the shop. And so he's loading that in and then getting it delivered to the service writer. I find that not only that saves time for the technicians and getting everything loaded, but the accuracy that is needed has to be paramount, has to be a hundred percent. One for the pricing, but two, the worst, the thing that you can do to a car is disable it and take it all apart. And it's stuck on the lift and we're waiting for a part. Even if it's just for an hour, that's an hour of production that isn't turning around when we could have just had that done correctly before it was disassembled. So I love the whole idea of making sure the part is there. You can't have a production shop if a part slows you down. And there are so many in the industry that are at your size that recognize those positions are critical to continued growth and and success, happy customers. Also, managing core's alleged defectives, new returns, it's a huge job. Huge. Yes, absolutely. So, you know, and who does that, right? And so it's, uh, somebody has to, I mean, it's the most expensive outside of technician labor. It is the most expensive thing in our, in our business. And, you know, all of our shop owners, we just give credit cards to employees and tell them to go wild with it. And so that course returns, you know, there's a system that all that stuff, you know, gets returned, documented, the credits get produced. It needs to all be done by the end of the month so it, it doesn't affect your, your P&L. And making sure everything gets credited correct back. I, I can't tell you how many times I'm sure every shop owner has seen a, a warranty battery go in as a core. And I mean, that's, you know, $200 cost, it could be, and where it should have been free. And it's interesting when you think about money, it's like, it's almost like that $200 actually cost you 400 because you had to make 200 and then you're spending it back. So it took the time to make it and then you're just giving it all back away. So that stuff doesn't slip through the cracks. And then when the reconciliation happens at the end of the month, it just, you know, it's another step to catch anything that's been missed, but it's 99% handled right at the get-go. 
a critical position, especially if you're looking at your SMS's gross margin on the business, and then you're looking at the P&L's gross margin, and you say, oh, I got a bit of a problem. And sometimes it's that anticipated credit that's coming back from the vendor that didn't get to you because you're not doing those kinds of audits. I mean, there's other, there's other reasons in other areas, but managing your parts bill that, you know, the P&L finds that gap in margin. The SMS won't because the SMS doesn't know about those anticipated credits. Hey, one more thing with you before we go on to the tour of your place. You were telling me that when you get a really high repair order ticket, you're asking for a deposit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So we're in a immediate income of uh, $39,000, $40,000. So we get a, you know, it's one of those interesting, awesome gentrification neighborhoods. And so we just get a mix of all walks of life with our parking capacity that is not anywhere as great as we'd love it to be. We need to move, we need to move these cars. So my manager, when she came in, in 2020, 2019, she went around the lot and she's like, what's that car? What's that car? What's that car? And there was all these cars that were sitting around that I had either worked on and they're paying me off slowly <laughs> or we couldn't diagnose. And it was just such a mental like weight. And so she's like, I'm getting rid of these things. Like I'm calling a uh, tow truck tow cars out and impound them. And she's like, I'm talking to these clients. They don't pick them up. Like I'm towing these things out of here. She's like, we're not working on it. Like, what do you mean you're working on a car without having any money assigned to it? And I'm like, yes, like this is like, this, this happens. And so slowly but surely, like we got rid of all of them. Actually, she did that pretty darn quickly. And then she implemented a parts deposit, which could fluctuate. But what we find is that somebody that can put a deposit down on the work has the cash available or will figure out that immediately so they have it when it picks up. And so we've implemented like certain strategies, like sometimes clients are trying to still figure it out or maybe they don't really have an intention to fix it and they like had to get it out of their apartment complex and like, you know, because it's going to get towed out. It's what we see. It's just what we see. And so we'll, she'll reach out once uh, something starts getting stale and saying, hey, just by the way, we're going to start charging you storage, 50 bucks a day. And that usually motivates people if they're, you know, in a situation where, where maybe they're not going to fix it. Do we really want to collect the storage money? Absolutely not. Like it's, you know, if your intention is and we keep moving things out, but what it does is it puts a sideways pressure on somebody to make a decision, get things lined up as opposed to putting it off or get the car on down the road. And we find that every single time we get a parts deposit um, or a deposit, whatever you want to call it, which we're doing all electronically, it's super simple. They come pick up the car when it's done. Very quickly. So what are you basically doing? The estimates for 1800 bucks. are you asking for half? Half for parts costs, somewhere in between there. It's almost like a good faith thing. But if you do that in your business, you will find that you will not have cash flow problems. It eliminates it almost entirely because you're not bankrolling all these repairs that are in progress. This is a great little discussion on your business. Now let's go to the virtual shop tour with Bob. All right, Bob, you ready, man? All right, here it is. All right, see, that where that truck is, that's a parking spot. <laughs> <laughs> I see that, and that too, that other one. All right. This is super stacked, and this is every single day. This is where 220 to 280 cars a month we're getting out of this lot here, and there's no way I could buy the, the land to the next to me here. So uh, we're walking through... The parking lot, ideally, and we just shot this as it was, ideally we want those cars that are ready to go up front, backed in. It's good nonverbal communication that the advisor knows this thing's ready to go, nice and washed. Here's uh, all of our pr active production stuff. 
This is why we can't let stuff sit. So double stacked on the right, got a line in the back, all lined up on that. This is Brandon over here in his wash bay. He's doing his QCs in here. All the simple stuff, but all the stuff that's visible to clients, definitely double checking the grease, the oil change stickers, the TPMS sensors. This is something we added on in 2018, which was our we're very storage challenge. So I bought one of these sheds. If you really know me, I'm kind of scrappy. So <laughs> I saw this on the side of the road and I'm like, oh, that'd be a perfect storage shed. We could just like cut a hole in the wall. Scrappy's good. Definitely, right? Why not? And it'll last forever. These are the new bays, the three new bays that we added on 18. We're in Florida. We don't have like inclement weather other than the occasional, uh, well, daily shower at the end of the day. So those don't have garage doors in them, but they're super nice and thick um, insulated ceilings. So it actually is cooler on that side than it is over on this side. The other side, we have two techs, three techs over here. The, The shop used to be an old Volkswagen Beetle bus shop. They always had the engines pointing outside. For whatever reason, we just kept them like that because I think that the arms on the lifts are positioned that way. This is a parts return rack. So all of your cores, anything returned gets there and then gets processed by our parts guy, which is we're going to see a little bit later. And so there's a bin for every major vendor. Some batteries over on this side, a little bit of mess. We just finished up a team meeting. Angel's eating a second lunch. And so this is what I I call this the war room. Everything happens inside here. I want everything to be in one place. Starbucks style, everyone faces the front. There's two advisors up front. The parts guy's right behind him and then manager behind him. Right now, so here I'm looking at these keys. These keys are not positioned. They could be very positioned on the other side of the wall, but I want the technician to have to open the door just in case a service advisor or parts person has a little question. They don't have to go hunt down and ask them. So this is part of the lean process. They are forced to come in. Everything, I wish I had opened that up. All the keys are, are located all by a technician, so they have one place they could look. This parts table, which I'll go into here, but I'll actually talk about those parts filters. All that's our normal stock, it's right next to the parts person. So you can see when we have stuff in stock or see when we don't have stuff in stock. I mean, it's super critical to pull these little tiny holdups out of your business. This parts table has lines drawn into it. I'm going to show you one right here. So you see lines and there's lines for every technician with their name on it. And they they also get the bottom half as well. I want the parts distribution to be on a flat stainless steel table. I don't want racks in this because racks get pushed, parts pushed behind. They get parts that, you know, they get hidden in there. I want everything laid out to where technician could see it. I want the, once they are all together, a label to put on them. So the whole idea of this office is what can we do to increase nonverbal communication? Because that's what's going to help people not have to sit around and waiting for someone to get off the phone to answer a question. They can see it, they grab it, and then they can go. Bob, the post-it notes on every part, is that assigned to the job? That's assigned to the job with the car, RO, and customer name because everyone talks in a little bit of a different language. Our advisor here, Michael, is... uh, there, right? So, and greet the client and, uh, you know, or, you know, if he's on the phone, he can throw up one of these, like, in just a minute, you know? And so, it's super important that we acknowledge the client immediately because that's one of the biggest things that people want in life, but in auto repair. So, the client walks in that door and bingo, they've got this tight little area with all of your service advisors? Yes. Yeah. It looks like Wall Street there in the morning and flat screen TV with all your cameras. Everybody can see 
where people are. So the logic in it is that as you're walking out the door, because you need to go have a conversation with a technician, you can look up there and then scout out which direction to head in based on where they are. There's saving steps. Saving steps, exactly. And also our advisors can see when customers are pulling in so they can either go out and greet them or be more ready for them, you know, mentally pull up their apparel order and, um, you know, because they're seeing them come in because of the way this office is positioned, we have no windows to see outside uh, in, in terms of where the, where the client is going. So this office packs out with like 10 to 15 people in the morning. When the customer pulls in in the morning, Bob, uh, they probably can't even find a place to park. So yes, what will happen is uh, we lined everything, you know, put those nice uh, painted lines. You can totally go to Home Depot and buy the machine to do it, or you can pay a company to do it yourself. And there's arrows and it says service and stop, you know, and so it directs the flow of traffic because we want people to stop right in front of the door. And then the backup will happen after that. And so that way we can, they're self-directing, which for us helps them cram into the spots that we need them to cram in without having, which means less vehicles to move. Okay. When they're dropping off, do they have someone picking them up and then they don't know where to park? Yes. So that is a challenge and they'll usually hang outside. That would be one thing that we certainly could improve on, though we find a lot of our customers, they grab Ubers. We set the Uber to pick them up outside of the gates just so they don't have to pull in and uh, because there is no through, through way, you know, it's, it's one way in, one way out. And so that that lining helps us be able to maintain a two flows of traffic, you know. Is that place we're looking at with the railing, is that your office? So this happened through COVID. COVID hits and then this thing shows up. And so this is the customer waiting area, but this is a space away from any of the noise. There's a nice Sonos, good sense that happened in here. It's a nice, beautiful waiting area that people can just, you know, enjoy to hang out on. We show off all of our technician certifications, which subconsciously is building, you know, accreditation and, and legitness, uh, you know, with our business. And, uh, you know, we leave the windows uncovered. So they, you know, people poke out the windows and try to, you know, spy on their cars. And then they could also sit outside as well, too. There's like this little porch that's uh, built into this. So, so is this an investment that you have that is taking up? couple of parking spots, even though there's no people that go in it, you got to have it. Yes, you got to have a place for them. Good point, because I wasn't super convinced to do it in the first place. When COVID immediately hit, I was like, okay, we got to get people out of the office. So we bought this little blue beach tent and put a plastic picnic table under it. And so months and months go by and I'm like, okay, well... All right, this is, we're still, you know, social distancing. I mean, you know, we didn't know at the time. So I was, again, driving down the road and I saw this shed thing and I said, I think if we built that out, that would be perfect. So yes, it is an investment because you got to have a comfortable waiting area, particularly the most important client is that new customer because we want to make a good impression. So they, my opinion is that if they're not dropping off, it's because they don't trust you yet. They want to get the vibe. They want to get the feel. And if you have no place to put them, where are they going to go if they want to wait? So yes, it, it helps us uh, have that that good self grow. Bob's getting ready to grow to store number two. Yes, sir. And who knows, maybe we can hang around when that happens. Uh, thanks so much for being here, Bob Noriega, Auto Works of Tampa. And uh, Bob Noriega, you got to come back, bud. <laughs> thanks, Carm. I appreciate you having me. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time... Oh,